It's our fifth episode of Diving Deep here on Project Nerd. That's right, this is Iggy. We're back for episode five. Wow, five already. That's crazy. And we're only doing this every other week. I can't believe it's been out that long. But awesome. We've done some cool things, dived into some deep topics. But part of Diving Deep, I also want to dive into people, I guess, for lack of a better terms. I don't know. But anyways, for me to dive into people, I guess it seems only right that you guys get to dive into me first. So back at Ocon Expo a few weeks ago, our very own Ethan from Meeple Skills took the time to interview me and ask me some tough questions as well as some easy ones. Uh, so without further ado, here is the diving deep all about me, Iggy. Project Nerd listeners, it is Iggy, and I'm here for another exciting episode of Diving Deep, our young and adventurous podcast. It's growing, it's beautiful, it's heading out into the world and enjoying this. But we are at Ocon Expo, and I'm sitting here with Ethan of Meeple Skills on Project Nerd. How are you doing, Ethan? I'm good. I'm exhausted because yeah. it's Sunday. It is. This is it. This is our last podcast of the weekend, right? And we are the troopers that are going to do it. While they break down. Yeah, <laughs> While they exactly. break down everything, right? That's, so, that's what we call leadership. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Ethan, obviously, hosts Meeple Skills, doing a lot of other things. We've been all over the place this weekend, interviews, a lot of great content coming out of Ocon Expo. So, if you haven't seen all of it yet, always head on over to projectnerd.com. But part of why I launched Diving Deep was not just to talk topics. So, we've had some great episodes covering specific topics, sites, things that are really heavy. But I also wanted to really just explore... That was going to be worded really weirdly. Explore people. I wanted to. How did you say it? Get deep into somebody's head. Get get deep into Iggy. Oh, well that or okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we're going. We're going there. We're going there. Uh, but I, I want. I just. I really want to sit down with some people, ask them questions, learn more about them, and and that be part of the diving deep adventure as well. So I figured, what better way than to introduce that by. Me opening up and allowing Ethan to dive deep into me, I guess. Giggity. Giggity. So, <laughs> so basically, we're, we're just going gonna, gonna to talk. We're going to explore my inner childhood. I might cry a few times. We're going we're gonna to get deep in there. If you don't cry, I'm going to make you cry. Okay. All right. <laughs> so we're going to chat. We're yeah. We're just going to chat. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I try not to take two things too seriously, but the podcast is called Diving Deep. So I'll probably ask some some prodding okay. questions because okay. I, know, I know there's some stuff going on. So... Uh, oh wow! Let's let's start with Project Nerd. Yeah, and I I ended up signing on with Project Nerd in about 2015 is when I first started editing and writing. Has it been that long? Yeah, it has. Yeah. You've been around and for a while. Very minor role starting off, but now you know things have progressed. I so I say editing is a very minor role. Well, I I really wasn't involved in okay. the brand though. You know, you felt you were more one dimensional. Yeah. And like I wrote some stuff every now and again, but one and a half dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, how did it start? What what was the genesis of Project Nerd? Project Nerd was kind of born of like when my daughter was born, I was retail management. And at the time, still involved with Project Nerd, you know, Tyler, Adam, Bob, all working at that Best Buy with myself in Manhattan, Kansas. But once you have a kid starting kindergarten, and then the daughter's born, and you look at it, and you're like, I can't do this retail stuff anymore, especially during the holidays. You know, there's no one kid not in school yet. He can match my hours, right? Now it's getting a little more difficult. So I decided it was time for a big boy job. When I got a big boy job, I was like, I am really bored. <laughs> this is a retail management is demanding. Like, they, it is a lot asked of you. And so I just started blogging, and then Tyler, like, Tyler kind of was coming over with another group of friends and my ex-wife now would cook and we'd eat and just talk geeky stuff, play video games. And we're like, let's just throw some microphones in front of our face, start podcasting. And that's how the Nerdcast came and eventual other podcasts. And then we're like, we go to these comic cons anyway, so why don't we just do it as the brand and start interviewing people and doing this type of stuff and selling stuff when people are like, I love the logo, I want to share it with your logo on it and stuff like that. So it just, every piece just kind of started falling into place afterwards. And okay, so um, on that, because you did a panel this weekend that was turning your fandom into a brand, yeah. which obviously I'm sure you talked about Project Nerd being oh, yeah. all of your fandoms coming in under one umbrella of a brand, right? Right. Uh, wh- what is that thought process like? What 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 makes you think? Okay, I'm going to turn this into, you know, a, a business. Well, I think uh, I, I recently so I recently read an article 
I, I want to say it was Forbes. It might have been somewhere else. But how everybody in our generation is an entrepreneur. Like everybody has a side hustle. And I, I feel like it's very true. We're all doing something. And, and some of us take it more seriously and try to make it our main thing. Others see it more as a hobby. But it's still something that you would kind of consider a side hustle. It's not fishing, right? It's like it's something that's producing something, creating something. It's just how far we go with it. And I've always been one of those people, too. Like, I just want to create. But I feel like the reason I like putting it towards a business, and I feel like others do, and why they come to that panel, is that I can create more if I'm getting a little bit of money back, right? Or if I'm getting more people involved or we're doing more. We can just create and create and create more and be part of this community. It's like coming to Ocon Expo or the other shows we do and stuff like that. So that panel specifically, to dive into that, is like we just kind of talk, you know, we're not legal advisors we're not tax experts and stuff like that but you know here's some of the things we did to take some of those steps here's things we think about when we're doing this and this is why exactly why we want to do it and i usually end up at some point in that panel yelling like let's just all go create shit like everybody just needs to create that's why we're all here we're create and it was really cool to hear steve bloom do that today too in his panel because he almost word for word the same was like we're all brought onto this world to create something so just get out there and create and that's kind of how my mindset is with it and why I want other people to, if they have questions, they can learn from our mistakes or our... I, we always joke that it's always mistakes, but we've done some things right, I guess, so... Yeah. So, all right, here's one of the first hard-hitting questions. Do you consider Project Nerd a business if it doesn't make money? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it, it's... There's revenue and there's expenses, right? So, even if it's not a very profitable brand, we all... I think, and, and to, to clear it up, because so there's, there's been many people we've met over the years that are like, oh, you guys do this full time, you do it. No, like every one of us are here for a labor of love, right? Like we used vacation days for these long weekends. We come out here, hey, I'm going to go back to 2,000 plus emails at work because I took a week off at work and stuff like this. We have families to take care of, you know, spouses, kids, things. This is all being done of labor of love, not just by me. Like I feel like everybody involved is great. Josh is pointing at himself over there like he's the... Uh, Kind of Josh, but everybody else as well, <laughs> right? So it's, in in a way, I can see where people could see this as your hobby or fun activity. But at the end of the day, I'm still balancing books. I'm still saving receipts. We're still, we're not very profitable. But there's still money coming in from avenues that can cover certain expenses. And we're trying to do more and more. High fives, man. Yeah. I like this. We're getting live high fives. Live high fives on the podcast. Great. You guys enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Was like he one said, of the kids that joined Carrie last time, or is he just some random I have kid no idea. I don't think so. Okay. I think that that was just was, a r- random a teenager. Guy that, yeah, that just wanted to give us a high five. Thanks. I can dig it. Uh, so, okay. Project Nerd, We get there's revenue streams, maybe not profit. Uh, do you find it hard to grow a brand and convince other people that what you're doing is worth it? It, it is in some aspects it is like you guys like you at, at your point like you said you've been with us for so long and you've jumped on enthusiastically and then when you see more of the inner workings and how much I think more of the leadership of the brand loves it too and is putting into it without much in return I feel like it makes people who are excited about it even have more buy-in but it is it is hard when you're asking volunteers to do something and especially when i said there's sometimes that perception cuz we we have a huge presence we are and we are a big brand but there's not always a lot of money in blogging or in podcasting there's millions of podcasts out there everybody starts podcasts so there's not tons of just immediate revenue in it right we've got to work for it so when people see that huge presence they sometimes think that oh he's getting all this money and then he wants us to come in and just be volunteers and I think that makes it a little difficult at times. Yeah. But like I said, once you guys are in and you see how it's going and you see we're all doing this for love and you see that the culture of it is not, hey, we have to go through Iggy, we have to do it this way. It's more of just you get in here, you create. You want to do this thing? You want to start this podcast? You want to do this blog post? You want to do this thing? Let's do it. Let's just get it all out there, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's when people get more excited, and that's why we have people that have been around for so long helping with it. I mean, we have people still from day one that are involved and. You and Danielle, who play major roles in it, like have been around, like you said, four or five years at this point. I think, and I think that's why. Yeah, I like that. So, you know, there there was a time where, um, really, not too long after I got involved, that more or less the website was shut down, 
Yes. You know, no new content was going out. That is that is true. Um, you know what what was what was the genesis of, of that? What what happened to make that happen? Oh, and so we're going for the personal. We're question getting to the personal. Okay. We're getting we're getting deep into you, buddy. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's no surprise to the people that know me, and probably no surprise to those that don't know me well, because she was a prominent person in the brand who's no longer here. But I went through divorce. Uh, we were managing a lot at the time. That's the one of the part, one of maybe the negative side effects of Project Nerd and what I was just saying, where it's just like, let's just create all this stuff, is that I want to create all this stuff too, and then I'm stuck creating a lot of stuff within myself and gets very busy. So at that time, we had launched Project Cosplay. We had started the publishing, which is something I want to do since a kid. And we had the, the blog, which was super successful, as well as the podcast network, which was much smaller, but still very successful in terms of the numbers at the time. And uh, we... I was going to say bye, but uh, we uh, were, had a lot going on at home, and I went, ended up going through divorce and all that stuff. So I tried to table some of the stuff that, in my mind, I, I don't want to say I regret it. The blog, it, it hard, it's hard to look at where the numbers are now compared to three years ago because it was definitely projecting much better. But it was definitely the stuff that I saw not as the revenue driver stuff of the brand. I said, I'm going to set this aside and focus on seeing what I need to do here to fix things and there's just some things that aren't repairable there's just some things that are this wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna go past that point anyways so it's that weird feeling of like i'm not regretful about it because obviously as we preach internally to everybody who's involved with brand when something comes up family right we're like family first this is all of us having fun doing it but at the same time it's that regretfulness of man we lost so much traffic to that site that when we talk about even though there's revenue still now, it's not profitable. Where could that profit be if we would have kept it there, right? So, I don't know. Family first, I guess. I, I remember selfishly thinking, because I had just gotten a preview copy of the newest Dungeons & Dragons book <laughs> before it released. Right. And I think that review I did was like the last article to go up before go. we shut down for a while. And I was just like, really? really? Like, I was just taking off with this? Like, we got it. Are you and leaving? Okay. All right. We're sorry. Good. We're talking. Remember, we're we are at Ocon, so there might be some interactions with other people you will not hear on the microphone. Right. Uh, but yes, yeah, so rather selfishly, I was like, "Oh, this is so." I get, I get and it. That, and you know, that was again before I really knew you well at all. But I also appreciate that selfishness, yeah. to be honest, because that shows right there how much you were already invested in it. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't because yeah, part of it like. Getting the perks is awesome, and I, yeah, that's obviously, but that's your payment, too, for the work you were putting in, Right. And you still wanted to put in more work, Yeah. and you were getting gifts out of it, but it's like, yeah, you guys, there was a lot of people that were upset with the decision, and again, like you're saying, you know me, and so you understand it now more, but I, I am more, I'm happier to hear that people were upset with me making that decision than just being cool with it, because to me, that says, that's why you guys, that's why it's been so successful, because people were that strongly bought in and helping it, because not one person can make Project Nerd what it was. Like, right. So. so, divorce is tough. It is. You've got two kids. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know that there was a, a lot of stuff going on with wow. all of that. We're going into it, man. You want to dive deep? I We're said diving it, deep. Yeah. I didn't limit any restrictions on it. So, here, okay? what happened? It just doesn't work out all the time. You're an ass. No, I, I, <laughs> I, mean, I get it. I'm just, you know. It's, you know, we're not on the same page. She's, mm -hmm. the kids are happier. I'm happier. I can't speak for her, obviously. I, I think it, the most important part is when you look at where it is now, whether we can point a finger one direction or another direction, said this person did that, that person did this. Um, the kids are happier now. It's a better environment for the kids. We live within a few miles of each other. We still have our problems, but we communicate well about the children. They're transferred back and forth very easily. They get to see both of us. I mean, our, that, and you know personally on my personal Facebook sharing that our dog that recently passed, and, and she brought the dog over and hung out at my place for a few hours while we made it steak, so they were still able to do stuff like that. So that's good. I think that's important and that the kids are there. And, and this is the environment I think that works for all four of us the yeah. best. And that's that's what matters the most. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not a parent, so I don't I can't relate kind of on that level. Yeah. Yeah. But from what I've observed is that's that really is the most important thing is, is. is being able to communicate with a former partner. Uh, oh, I think parent I of your child of your children. Right. And be able to make something work, because no matter what. 
those children are always going to see that person. Exactly. That's, that's my mom, it, and that is their mom, and, and you need to respect that, exactly. for that for them. And even with the problems I've had, I, I think the best thing about like this past Mother's Day, it's like I took the kids. Let's. What do you guys want to do for her for Mother's Day? We got a dinner gift card, a movie gift card. You want to take her out to eat and movie? Got her a nice fl- flowers, you know? So the kids took that back to her, and that's like, you know, they're, they're young kids. They're not able to pay for it, but they still need to see that, you know, things may not always work out, but we're going to still treat everybody with respect and take care of each other. And, and to me, I feel that's important for the kids to see, right? Good. Uh, all right, so we'll, we'll go a little lighter now. Okay. Uh, the joke has always been, what do you call a group of white men? A podcast. Right. Uh, and I know that y- you and I obviously agree on, you know, we, Project Nerd is, is making efforts. We're trying to diversify that a little bit. Yeah, we don't sure. We don't want to be a, a giant group of white guys. And yeah. and the fact is that we are. We I think uh, so. A big part of it is is we are not just a we're not a podcast community that's sports or this or that. We are a geek. It's a geek first thing. It's Project Nerd, right? And we we definitely live under the impression you can nerd out about anything. We recently had the opening day article for baseball, like top ten. And in the past, I've done like top ten foods. Adam for a lot of World Cups in the past has written you know exciting articles that so we're always about you can learn out about anything that's definitely true, but I think our community has always been more pre- predominantly white nerdy dudes and uh, unfortunately a lot of them like the basement dweller style dudes like but you know it is that way and I one of my favorite things about geek community or the geek culture becoming so mainstream is that it is diversifying right in front of our eyes. And we're seeing that happen more and more with Project Nerd, too, as well. So I think that's important. You know, it's, it's always we joked about jobs I've worked in the past, speaking of retail. It's as a manager, we would sit in meetings and it would be behind closed doors. You don't talk about it because it, it can sound fishy or racist or whatever. But it was always we need to hire to reflect our community. And I think that's important. And I think for us, that's a matter, too. We, we don't turn people away because of anything because we're like, we have to meet this quota and this person has to be this. But I... I think it's important that when we see people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different looks and things like that that want to be involved, we're all very positive and encouraging and bringing them in because it's exactly that. You don't want to just have these three guys on the, or four guys on the Nerdcast talking and then basically carbon copies of them over here on Sexy Nerd Science talking. Like, we don't want to do 12 podcasts that are all the same, right? And I think that comes with different life experiences, different backgrounds, different cultures, things like that. So uh, do you think there are things that Project Nerd could do to sort of increase that uh, awareness in in the nerd community at large? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think probably more things that we don't even think about, that if somebody's listening wants to give us ideas in the comments, we're always happy to hear. But, I mean, there's definitely things like we've put out cards on the desk that talks about now hiring, bring it on, and while we have this more diverse group here. So they're seeing other faces here that aren't the, you know, the carbon copy faces, right? So they're seeing us in the group when we're doing this big team, and we have not necessarily the, you're not just the token cosplay woman with the group of guys, but, you know, the mother with the baby right over here, or the, the other, the kids even, like my son helping at times, or my daughter roaming around, or the different people to where it's not, hey, here's five white guys in the token chick cosplaying, right? It's, it's these different people. Um, but I also think not even just on looks or who they are as a person, but Carrie is a great example of adding that diversity to our group because Carrie is not a pop culture nerd, didn't come from this background, and has loved being a part of this. And it's the fun stuff of taking him out on the floor and quizzing him on cosplays or having him interview guests of where he would never understand where that's from because he asks such different questions. And that's diversity as well and the way we're asking questions and things like that by also looking at it that way. And so you may look initially and see, oh, another bearded white dude. But then when he's talking, you're like, oh, that's why Carrie's a part of this. Because it's somebody, we're teaching this guy about this world. And he's able to ask questions that not all 10 of the podcasts, you know, set up in Podcast Pavilion, including us. So not singling anybody out, but including us, are typically asking, right? So I think there's a lot of things we can do both in vocally, but also appearance-wise. And and I think at events, but also on the website. Like... uh, a big part of it is our cosplay bo- bloggers are all women. Like, so it's not some guy posting just sexy cosplay every week, right? We're seeing w- what women appreciate as cosplay too, which I think is very important. Yeah, when and it's still very sexy. 
I think, yeah, <laughs> cosplay in general is sexy. I mean, yeah, you you immediately go up two to three points, male or female, right? So. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. So, what what do you think it is about podcasts or in general that make it? Because one one of my big concerns, like when I first started talking to Jackie about starting Meeple Skills, is you know. Tabletop board gaming podcasts are dime a dozen. Right. You know, it's it's something anymore that anybody can do. What do you think it is about Project Nerd, our podcasts, and how we choose which podcasts we support or are part of uh, that sets it apart? Well, I you know maybe there's that diversity word, and a lot of them might be a lot of white guys, but it's it's very different in terms of their interests. The you know, you're talking about it's your podcast. There may be, like you said, a dime a dozen of tabletop podcasts, but there's not a lot of tabletop discussion going on on the Nerdcast or even Sexy Nerd Science or anything like that, right? We may play those games too. Tyler, Josh, you know, maybe very invested in, in types of games as well. And I enjoy them too, but using names specifically that we know are big fans of that. But we're not talking about it as much. So I think that's a huge piece of it is that you can come to Project Nerd. Yeah, you can go search elsewhere and try to find a tabletop podcast. Or you can come to Project Nerd and see all kinds of options right in front of your face immediately. I think that helps. And uh, it's part of where we meet a lot of great podcasts out here that want to work with us. And I'm like, cool, let's do some collaborations. Let's talk. Let's have each other on the show. But we don't necessarily need you to do the network because we have the general pop culture, multiple guys sitting together. You know, you know what's funny is that playing at Comic-Con was hitting the person in the face with the microphone. <laughs> I just did it to myself even with the stand then. I might be falling asleep over here. But anyways, uh, I think that helps with it. But we, I think the culture we have, again, of where I brought up earlier is that there's no, it's not me that's Project Nerd. It's all of us. And so you are Everybody here is encouraged to just go do whatever you want and be a geek about it. Allows us to be unique across all the ways we communicate here at events, on the blog, but on podcasts as well. And I think that gives it a touch because it's not you and Jackie copying something you could see on any other one. It's 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 a podcast of you and Jackie talking about what you are passionate about, and it it I don't want to say it shows, but it shows right. But it 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 hears it it, it, you it, hear it right. You can there you go. You can you know. hear the passion, and I think that definitely sets a tone of that. I'm not forcing a talk about something I don't like with Tyler rather than, oh, we have a new podcast that's covering topic B with these people that are passionate about it. Yeah, I like that. Um, what is something that really angers you? That really angers me. Two people driving below the speed limit on the two-lane highways <laughs> at the same time, like, leveled up, you know. So, like, yeah, I know they're going to go mean. to pass the one, but they're only going about a half a mile per hour faster than the other right. one. And, the, and even worse is when they see, like, you know you're coming up, like, 10 to 15 miles per hour faster than them. You see it, and then they're like, oh, crap, this car's coming up, so I need to get over quickly. Instead of just letting me by and then doing the slow pass, they got to jump right in front of you and do the slow pass, and then you have to hit, turn the cruise control off, hit the brakes, whatever. Like, man, that is my – when people are like, what do you think is hell? And I'm like, if I was damned to hell for eternity, I would spend the rest of my eternal life driving behind two cars – at 59 and 59.2 miles per hour in a 75 or 80 speed speed limit zone. <laughs> that would be my... On my a related idea. note, I, I'm a slow driver. Like, I will drive the speed limit and rarely faster. Okay. Okay? But I also know how highway traffic's supposed to work. Yeah, left lane's for passing. Right. So my favorite is when I'm in the left lane passing and about to go back to the right lane to get out of the way, um, and then people go around right. me. And it's like... D- I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. What more do you want? I, I agree. And I usually <laughs> try to give that person a second because of that. Because I'm like, I right. don't want to be the jerk. We need to give, I, I want you to get comfortably, or like not comfortably, safely even ahead of the right. other car before getting back over. So um, I definitely want to do that before. But if, if that person hangs out in that lane long enough, I'm like, all right, I'm on it. Yeah. I'm going around this way. Yeah. Also, Colorado drivers are the worst. So Well, the problem with Colorado drivers <laughs> is that nobody's from Colorado. 
Right. So we're all from somewhere else. Exactly. So <laughs> the way you're kind of taught to drive in Texas is different than the way you're taught to drive in California. Oh, yeah. Actually, Texas everywhere. is the worst. No, Texas is terrible. Our Texas, And I'm from Texas, and yeah. I will say it. We suck. Like, yeah. don't get me. Because we own the road. Nobody else is important. Right. Like, so we, you're not <laughs> out of my way because this is my road. I, I totally own it. That's We funny. are like that. And then you have Colorado, or I'm sorry, California drivers that also come to, because these are the two most, I mean, because there's the most populated states, right? Big states that come to Colorado. And in California, it's more, oh, it rains. I got to slow way down. I got to do this. Well, you got these Texas drivers like, whatever the condition is, I'm speeding three or owning yeah. this road. And you combine those two with then the mix of just the litter of wherever else. And oh, yeah, Colorado can be held to drive because of just there's no consistency. What's, uh, what's something that brings you joy? My kids. Like, that's the, I know it's going to be the cliche answer, but I, I think without even trying to be, oh, look, super dad, whatever, like, it's, you can see it on my face. You can, people tell me all the time they can see where, it, those are the, like, when my son was born, and I never wanted kids, I did not, I do not like kids for the most part still. Like, I don't, I'm not a kid. You person. like your own kids, and that's about it, right? But, and other kids that are around me that are really well behaved kids. Like, sure. I, if you're a really good parent and you have another kid around me that's really well behaved, Totally, I'll, I'm totally happy to have your kid around, but I'm not a kid person in general, and it's mainly because, and this can get into a, d- a deep thing of, I feel like we have changed the way parenting style is, and and I am somewhere in that weird between of being a hard disciplinarian, but also letting them learn and do their thing, as opposed. But I feel like more now we're just like, well, they're gonna learn on their own, or I just, or I'm too busy staring at my phone screen to pay attention, so they're just off being little shits, and that's why I don't like kids. So that's. I'm, talk joy not hell now we're back behind the cars <laughs> for driving right but um my kids I, and i think that's why we we never baby talked them when they're babies we wanted them to be respectful we want that and and it brings me joy when i can go across the aisle and i know evie's gone over there and people are like hey i just want to let you know your your little girl like she is so sweet your guys came over offered us drinks she's the one who brought them and she came back and checked on us and she's just so polite and she's full of energy and life and i'm like that makes me happy to know my kids are a potential bright spot in a future that can sometimes look not so bright. Yeah. I think would be a pol- a light way of putting it, <laughs> not so sure. bright. I could use a lot of other adjectives to say where I think the future is going. Because um, you had your son. You were very young, weren't you? I, yeah. We were, we were te- we were, I always say we were kids ourselves. We were teenagers. How old sure. were you when your son was born? Um, I had a, w- a week had been 20. I had just turned 20 the week before. What was that like? Yeah, so for nine months when she was pregnant, I, I really, like I was prepping, I was going to, this responsibility is coming, and, and first time parents, and I love it when you talk to people who don't have parents yet, and they always see the experience the worst, their kids coming, and they're like, I'm never going to sleep again, I'm never this, and I was definitely that person too, like the, my world is going to change, I'm going to play as much video games as I can now this nine months because it's done. We're gonna we're gonna have as much sex as possible because it's done, right? Like, <laughs> never happening thinking, again. Yeah, right, you think none of that's ever going to happen again. Um, and then I remember being in the delivery room. I'm I'm playing everything by the book. We're young, so we're we're letting the direct doctors direct us, and we we don't know what's you know going on. And the baby comes out, and I'm just bawling. And they hand him to me, and my ex-wife's like, "Okay, let me hold him." And I I just wouldn't give him to her. Like I just wouldn't like. And she's like, "Look, I just did all of this. You give me my baby, right?" Like so, it, 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 you know, as the as last funny, time you were involved, with this was nine right, months ago, right? <laughs> and as funny as that sounds, to me that was kind of touching that we both were. We wanted to be his world. Like we wanted that moment to to be ours right then. And I felt that was great to say, "Hey, kid, you're already coming into a world where both your parents." want you right here right we want like we're fighting for you not to get you to the other one right right um and so to me i reflect on that as a special moment to what you don't see this yet but this is what your your life's going to be where your parents care but it also to me was this this is my life now this right here is what it's all about going forward it is no longer about me so um you know you had you had your kid young were you guys married at the time uh, about uh, six weeks before that, we got married. <laughs> yeah, so. gotcha. Got shotgun wedding. <laughs> right, I would call it shot. It was. It was a. So, for me, it was the matter of that. By the time she got pregnant, we had. She was. I don't. Know, she wasn't living with me because she was technically living in the dorms, but she was. She was living with me. You know, like it was that type of thing. And we had told each other we loved each other. We were already planning on relocating together and staying together. You know, so I felt like we're not making this decision because of the kid. We have already. 
planning these certain things, just the word marriage wasn't involved. And we're like, well, maybe, you know, the kid's going to make it a more permanent thing. So the marriage, you know, so partly it was the kid. But it, it, it was like when I was looking at it at the time, and it lasted 13 years. So it definitely wasn't just we got married for the kid and then split, right? It was, it was we felt that was not a decision because of the kid, but we already planned to be together. We're going to stay together whether this kid was coming or not. So why don't we just make it official? Uh, was was uh, Project Nerd uh, in existence at that point? No, even? Project Nerd came at the, the second kid. Okay. So, yeah. That was, uh, at that time, though, there was still always the, entre- the entrepreneur in me was still there. Sure. I think we did. Uh, we built, I built computers for a while to sell to people. Was already offering graphic design work while going to school for that type of stuff. And then we had Iggy World, which was my first entertainment website. And we would do things like have our movie awards and have all our friends like vote on it and we'd post it on there or I would do like top tens or things like that. A little less content, but it was still there. So there was definitely that that came along. So there was things that would eventually be the uh, predecessors to what Project Nerd would become. What was, what do you think your first creative project was? My first creative project is we, uh, friends and I tried to make a comic when we were in middle school. Oh, uh, what was that? What was that comic? Oh, gosh. So I had two going, and I had the one. It was um, t- like Team 7 or something. So I loved Jeffrey Scott Campbell, J. Scott Campbell, and Michael Turner. I'm going to 10, 11-year-old boy. See their artwork, obviously. Like, not going to pretend anything else. But, uh, but when you would read their stuff after you see their beautiful artwork and their beautiful women, you're like, actually, Gen 13 and Witchblade and this stuff is really, really well-written and entertaining. Like, it's fun. And Gen 13 had, um, it was the idea that this is Generation 13 of these, like, experimented mutant children that they've made. And so I kind of ran with that idea to where if we would have made it, you could have probably at some point sued us for, because it was like (laughs) Team 7 or something. So it was the idea of my thought in my mind, this is the Generation 7 of this. We're not going to necessarily identify that because I'm still old enough to realize I can't just take their, you know, that what they live in their world. Um, so we were creating a super kind of like a team like that of these younger, I want to say mutants, but these younger mo- genetically modified superhero team that had a leader, a gritty, like tough leader. And then on the other side, I had a friend, um, an Asian friend who had a very anime touch to his stuff, Aoba. I remember that one in detail. And it was about a ship, almost like a lost in space type thing. So it was a ship that got kind of set off to lost in space, but it was less oh, the family's lost in space and there's a robot more, the anime, and they're getting stuck fighting these other things and there's ship battles and landing on the world and having sword battles and stuff like that and things like that. So those were the two concepts we were working on. That sounds pretty good. I See, I've never, surprisingly enough, never really been much of a creative until I was an adult already. Really? So, like, my first creative endeavor was my... Magic the Gathering podcast I had oh. in 2016. I didn't know you. I didn't even know this till yeah, now. That, that was my start of like, really? I want to make content for people to. That's read. after I knew you too, and I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that was a right. thing. Well, and, and that was like, that are there was episodes thing. out there still? Probably. You can find them. What's it? What Probably. was it called? It was called Midwest Magic. Okay. Okay. I think I feel like I remember on yeah. social media seeing Midwest Magic. Yeah, that stuff. was part of my like, hey, I can do other stuff for Project Nerd too. But I like, feel like it's so push. important for people who are creating to learn. Like, without those experiences, we don't. You don't get meeple skills. Right. You don't get as crazy as it sounds. I know Project Nerd pr- publishing is not necessarily a huge successful thing right now, but Billy, like, we raised so much money on Kickstarter that year between Billy and the art book and all those ones. And it's so like, that was those didn't come along without that. 10-year-old spirit in me who was trying to make those comments. That was right? where I was going to go with it yeah. next is, is uh, so when I first joined Alma Project, and it was big, and, like, those comics were, like, on Kickstarter, like, as I was coming on, basically, um, if I remember correctly. And, like, you know, I, I remember backing Billy, and, um, you need something? Okay. I remember backing Billy mm. and thinking, like, all right, like, let's see what these guys got. And then I got it and was like, Oh, this is this is pretty good. Yeah, we're getting the signal to wrap it up, and not, yeah, we're not, yeah, we we're in charge. We're not quitters like all the rest of everybody. <laughs> no. Yeah, um, so backing Billy. Yeah, so I backed Billy and got it, and I was like, okay, like this looks like it might be turned into something. And then the comic portion oh. kind of dwindled off as well, right? Uh, so part of me is like, I did it. My child, like I can turn to my eleven-year-old self and say, look at it, you made it. You made a comic. 
that not only got pu- yeah it, it got independently published but it got tens ten thousand plus dollars funded like to me that was a big win i have so much more written but i don't want to shorthand artists and like not and it's a lot of money and we talked about you know divorce other project nerd stuff and and i love creating all this and this is more of a group project and i'm such a social being that it's like I can put a little bit of money into this stuff and we can go this far or I can sit here on my ass, not get to do this type of stuff and save up more to get some artists to do these pages. So it's kind of it's still there. It's just not there. Right. So I have Billy Volume 2 written. It's been edited. It's ready to go. It's just a matter of I keep telling the art and the artists in color, same team that worked on it, want to do it. And I'm like, I just need to get to a point where I have money to get five or so pages done that we can put those out to the Kickstarter, then get the Kickstarter to raise the rest of the money and do the rest. Because I don't want to say, hey, here's volume two. I have no demo pages to show you, right? When we did volume one, and I think part of the draw was that you got the first four or five pages of story when you looked at the Kickstarter. Yeah. And it kind of ran wildfire because it's like, oh, okay, I can see what's going on. I have an interest in this. And then it it moved on. Now, was it... uh, Was it... The second version of Billy that you accidentally launched the Kickstarter? Oh, on? no, that was, uh, well, we were going to call it Zucal, which that's a fun story. I mean, but ended up being called Idols. That's uh, right. And it was uh, to what of the f- close friends, and of course they're friends, so they, they could be tooting my, you know, blowing, blowing it up my ass, smoke up my ass, and uh, telling me lies. But uh, from the people that have read the scripts I've written, they said it was the best thing I'd written. But Billy was a, I mean, we worked on it. And because Project Nerd was so big at the time, and we talked about it constantly for months leading up, we had websites drop the cover exclusively. We had all kinds of great marketing for months on end. That led to a successful campaign. Campaign, excuse me. With Idols, it was, we're going to do this for the next month. Let me put it in there make sure it's good to go. Oh, it's live. We haven't done the marketing part yet. My bad. And let's try to do the marketing now. And we got a good, like a, a decent initial push, but there just wasn't that groundwork laid, I think, to make make it successful. Yeah, because I, I I remember that. Oops, I pressed the wrong button. It was, it was literally <laughs> that moment. Like that was like, because what? And so on Kickstarter, you have to submit it for review, and typically it takes two to three days to submit it for review. But for some reason, there was nothing that triggered anything for an actual manual review. So the AI review was good. And I had, we had done at that point like eight campaigns and I had never had it happen that way before. Wow. It had always had to go through an actual human being reviewing it. So when I thought it was a next button that it was submitted for the two to three day review, it was actually that, you no, know, the AI review approved it and that next button pushed it live. Like <laughs> I'm like, you didn't want to give me a pop-up that says, are you sure or anything like that? So... I mean, Kickstarter is a great platform. Oh, what's the, you got a baby over here. You guys better be careful with that. So, that's great. Uh, yeah, we're getting used to those over here live. Right, at but again, <laughs> we're at a convention, so we we warn the audience ahead of time. There's going to be some moments where you're going to be like, "What are they even talking about?" But uh, Drew and Josh are in. What are they call? What are these the giant bubbles? Battle they're bubbles. Battle. Yeah. They're going to bump into each other, and somebody's going to get hurt. And yeah. we're going to be shorthanded at breakdown. Oh, Drew went hard, dude. Yeah, Drew oh, doesn't yeah. screw around. How All long right. have we been going for? We what are, are we at? 37 minutes. So another 10 minutes or another so. Another 10 minutes? All right. If you have enough questions. I, I'll come up with something. What's the, what's the weirdest or grossest thing you've ever smelled? <laughs> I have kids, dude. <laughs> kids, like. So your kids? Like what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not okay. going to lie. And not even my baby kids. Like my 14-year-old son. Like, it's just like, oh, naturally man, is man, one teenage, of the Young teenage boys. Like now I get why my mom told me, you stink. Go shower all the time because <laughs> I totally see it now. Like I'm like, that kid gets out of the shower 15 minutes later. I'm like, Did, what? How do you? But it's, I mean, it's part of your, you know, it's part of the body growing right. and, and our culture now of saying, your natural smell is not good enough, right? So right. it's it's not like I don't want to shame him because it's but just, also ill. It, it it is, <laughs> but it's the society has shamed us all. Oh God, what happened? Exactly what you thought would happen. Oh God, who who got injured? Uh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> so all right, we have uh, grossest thing. Ever. Okay, so we've talked. You've talked about how like geeking out about food is another thing you love oh, to God, do. Oh God, food is my thing. So and I also love food. Um, what, what is one meal that you've had that changed your life? Just one? Yeah. 
I'm like, I'm sure. Would I go? Would I go tacos in Chicago, or would I go jazz, or would I? What? What do you think, Tyler? Tyler's sitting over here, so what? He's got an opinion on this. Oh, uh, um, uh, Katie Mull, yeah, Katie Mull- Mulligans or Mullins? Some, so it was an, it was an Irish pub in Denver, and before I moved to Denver, and we'd go to Denver conventions downtown, and there was this, we went there one time because I think because we went with Katie, like one of Kanan and Cece's friends, and they're like, oh, it's cool, there's a Katie's downtown pub, so we went down because it was near the convention center. We waited for like forever, right? Too, and we had a few drinks, and we're all hanging out. So it wasn't—we weren't like upset that we were waiting. But all the food shows up, and everybody is passing the food around to everybody because it's all like everything is is good. There's not a bad thing. And my—I get a bur- I, like I didn't know what to get, so I just finally went with like this bacon cheeseburger, like not even the Irish fare pub food they have. And everybody else gets their food first, and I'm trying it all. I'm like. Man, I'm so disappointed in myself for ordering this <laughs> burger because all of the, the bangers and mash was great. The uh, shepherd's pie, the, even the vegan stuff like that, that uh, Laura got was incredible. Like it was all so good. And then my burger I'm, shows I'm up. I'm jumping in like, for a second. For those of you who don't are aware, Iggy loves all ethnicities of food. He loves the chicken strips at Chinese restaurants. He loves the chicken strips at Mexican <laughs> restaurants. People, that, nobody's even going to buy this at that point that listens to any of our podcasts. So <laughs> they know the truth. But anyways, like... I just, it was just, you know, it's a long Saturday at the con. There's too many choices. Just get the burger. It's safe, right? That was the decision that was made. But the burger still shows up, and I'm like, man, this is still one of the best burgers I've ever had. Like, the whole <laughs> experience is great. So by the time we move out there to Denver, we're going there now. And then they just, and it wasn't even, it was because they mismanaged their books. They didn't have somebody on that was business savvy at the top to manage it that caused it to close down because it was popular. It wasn't like, oh, not enough people were going. It was just Oh, they supposedly haven't paid rent in like six months because this guy didn't know. Yeah, that's why it closes down. And so for me, that was sad because it's like it's good food. The business was maintained enough and it's just some idiot didn't pay rent for so long <laughs> is why it's gone. Tyler's saying I will yeah. lock into one place. And when we tour, I typically have my, my favorites. I have jazz here in Omaha. We've got Carbone in Chicago, some of the best tacos I've ever had. Back home, when I go to Texas, there's Napoli's. That's the Italian restaurant from the guys that are right off the Mediterranean that moved out here. And it's, I do have my favorites. I will own it. I will own it. I, I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. Uh, and, like, I also, I'm a very much, like, order the same thing every time I go kind of person. Yeah, and I try not to be. Yeah. And I've, I feel like in recent years I diversified, but definitely. There's, like, it, when I go to the older favorites, like the Napoli's back at home, go visit the parents and go to that, it's still the chicken parmesan over pasta. Like, it's the same thing every time, right? I haven't even – I have eaten at that restaurant – I can't even count the amount of times over a 20-year period, and I maybe have had three different things on the menu, right? <laughs> like, that's how, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. But I've tried to be better about it recently. I've tried to try different things. Uh, how do you like your steak? Medium rare. Okay, that's correct. Uh, what's, what's your favorite side dish to have with a steak? Anything potato for any side, like just potato. Like, just give me... How do you do your potato? Then do it all those ways and put it on the plate, right? Yeah. Like, like I'm all fine with potatoes. the French fries for with a steak. Sometimes just a a plain baked potato, like with nothing on it on the side of a steak, is great. Nothing um, on it. I, nothing on it. Sometimes you just or just butter. You know, okay. like just. I was like, you at least have butter. To have I'm sorry. Butter. Okay. So like to me, a plain <laughs> baked potato would be like with butter or sure. something. Um, oh, also speaking of food experience, remember when what was the yogurt place by work at Best Buy? Um, it was one of those, you know, one of those serve your own yogurt. It's orange leaf, orange leaf. Right. So it's one of those where you go in and you put the yogurt in the cup and then you add the toppings that it, that got super trendy for a while. And they're still around in many places. It's still really good, but they're all, it's, they have, there's 30 different franchises, but they're all the same exact thing. Right. So this one was the orange leaf and they opened it. So the best buy that we worked at in Manhattan when we're project nerd, you know, like we said, was born in that area. It was it was just an well one it was like what was it like a a, a feedlot off the railroad tracks or something like a, a a grain it was a grain lot like a, all the metal so like a metal yard that the trains would come through and they cleared it out scrapyard and then they cleared it out closed those railroad tracks down they built the Best Buy and then forever it just sat there in like a dust yard like they were gonna build it up but there was a lot of logistics that caused the development to get delayed. And so I remember working at Best Buy and it was just the Best Buy there. And if the wind was blowing, like it was just dust and you're like, it was just coming inside the building like crazy. Cause it was just dirt waiting to be developed. They build the strip, some good things pop in there, but they put in the yogurt place. 
I think in the first five days I ate there like 13 or 14 times. Like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> like, I, and oh, yeah, I wasn't huge on the smash burger that they built. McAllister's, yeah. McAllister's Deli. Right. Oh, the Chinese, yeah, and had a little drive through window, right? Like, right. So, yeah, a little Chinese. But the McAllister's was great, too. <laughs> yeah, so eventually they put a lot of food in that area, which helped all of us over there get eats. But, yeah, there are there are pr- probably multiple experiences where, I've, to me, in terms of food things, and I mean, I'll ramble on forever about food, one of my favorite experiences now, it used to be, because my ex-wife is a really, like, one of the m- more positive things I can say about her is she can cook. She could cook great. Like, and uh, one of my favorite experiences when she was all, and she wanted to cook, too, so it wasn't even a battle to get in the kitchen, was we would go eat something, it was great, and she'd replicate it at home, and she'd usually make it better. Like, that would be the great thing. And then she'd be frustrated because she's like, I shouldn't have made that because now he just wants me to make it and we don't go out to eat it anymore, right? <laughs> but now that I do that because I've really watching her cook for all those years and learning stuff, and my kids are ups- my kids are even obsessed with the Food Network type stuff already. Like, now me doing that. So, like, the chicken a la mer that I love here at Jazz, you know, spending the hours to replicate every step of that and make it at home, like, that was a cool experience for me. Like, that was a really cool thing. It's a that is a difficult dish to make. There is a lot that goes into it, so I've only done it once. But I was like, that was super cool. Like, I want to make these things now. Yeah, uh, teaching my wife to cook has been a chore. Oh, really? For the last how long have we been married? Five years. Okay, she wasn't big in the cooking. Like? Never, not once. Like, she is not food minded at all, and <sighs> it's like my biggest pet peeve with her because like I plan my entire day and around life food. around food. Like. What's yeah. What am I going to eat later? Oh, exactly. And, like, what's for dinner tomorrow and all that stuff. And she just has no sense of that at all. And she's gotten a lot better in the last year because, like, I've taken on more responsibilities at work, so I'm not as home as much. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's been, like, a chore to be, like, you know, you, the, like, I had to explain to her last week that salt and seasoned salt are not the no, same there's thing. a lot of different salts. There's a lot of different salts. Right. There, right? She's like, like, I thought that was just salt. I'm like, no. No. Like, and it, like, how many different types of cheese there are. Oh, gosh. Or yeah. that, like, cheese is wonderful. How to cut an onion. Yeah, right. And, like, all of these, like, s- things that I took for granted because, like, my dad taught me these things when I was a kid and I learned from watching him. She just never cared to do it. And, like, I, I swear I could feed her a plain chicken breast. And she'd be like, mmm, this is tasty, See, so and that's I can, dinner. I can relate to that. Like, I'm, I'm just further. So the evolution of that gets better because I can be the example of I'm just further down the road. Because so I grew up, and my stepdad was, yeah, no seasoning, salt and pepper is all you put on anything. And we would grill. Like, us, my stepbrother and I were always in charge of the grill. So I can grill. Like, no, like, and I still, even in Colorado, middle of the winter, there'll be two feet of snow on the ground. I'm grilling because that's what I did. <laughs> but anything else was like it was the... It was the oh god! My mom listens to this. She's she gets really offended easily by stuff. But it was the <laughs> you know it's the the boxed powder that turns into the mashed potatoes or the minute rice right. or the or the you know or you had chips as your side like that was the mm-hmm. and a part of it was it was nothing like against my parents because when my mom Italian when she would on a good weekend make her spaghetti from scratch that spent hours stewing the sauce like it was really good so she could do it it was just a matter of. There's five kids in the house. Yep. We're all playing sports. We're all doing this, and it's you can't you can't take a family of six or seven out with their two to three friends well, and the kids out every night to eat, right? And that, and you can't peel forty pounds of potatoes. Right, every exactly, night. right. So it's it's nothing against the parents, but it was a very bland experience. And when I met my wife, that was part of the thing that drew because it's like we went to her parents' house like within a month of being together, or her mom's house, and they made a lasagna, and I was like what is this? And I'm like, and that may have been why I married her. I don't know. But that, <laughs> is that mo- maybe that that's lasagna. why it didn't last. Cause I based it on food. I don't know. Based right? it on lasagna specifically. Right? <laughs> the, but it, my point is, but the best thing about it was, is she, she did a lot of what you were doing. Like she gave me these experiences with food to there. When we split, like it, one of my greatest experiences was to her. I don't, I don't care what she thinks about me or anything like that. But one of the greatest experience was making a cheesecake for the first time ever after we had split and I sent two slices back with my son, 
So instead of him having both, he ate one and gave her the other one, and it was a banana cheesecake. And she's she's not a big cheesecake person either. And she's, she's like, oh my, what did your what did your dad made this? Like it was just like like she was floored. She by was it. floored, That's good. and she even and we were still because this was fresh off the like split. So we were there was still some wounds there, and she still reached out to let me know like, oh my gosh, that cheesecake was incredible. And I was like, to me, that was like <laughs> a big moment in my life because well, yeah, that that's that one of those first little bridges right to repair some of that. You know, for wow. for the Less, civility of your children. That's like, some more more repair me, like for myself, yeah. because now, man, oof, I tell you what, if you're you're in the dating world or anything like that, and you're a dude that can cook, and that's the experience you give that date, gold. It's yeah. gold. Winner, Wait, winner. You're gonna cook for me? We're not good. You're not taking me out. To, oh no, you're gonna cook. Oh, it's because you're cheap. No, because watch this, and then you make something really good, right. and you have dessert homemade, and all that. And it's like, oh, yeah, you. That night's gonna end well for you, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that night's good. That, <laughs> day, right? Well, that's my wife said that one of her like requirements for a mate was that they could cook, right? Do math, and the third one was be a redhead. So I, I was able. To, I cooked well enough that that third one got you have dropped. The complexion of a redhead for that oh, helps. Stop. It. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can say that because I'm a daywalker with my redness. <laughs> but all right. Uh, all right. So. If you could travel back in time and give yourself advice, what would you tell yourself? And this will be the last. This will be what we close on. So it's got to be big yeah, and, and impactful. Well, the problem is, well, it might be impactful. The problem is, it's not going to be big. Because I would tell myself, hey, there's going to be a lot of shit that's going to happen in your life. Don't change anything. Don't change anything. If if I even if I could come back and say this is everything that's going to happen to you, this is what you're going to go through. This is the pain you're going to go through of what happens with your marriage. This is the pain of, of losing a child. This is the pain of all this stuff. Don't change a thing. You're going to get through it. And when you get through it, the people that are around you on the other side, the kids you have, the experiences you get, it's going to be 100% worth it. Because if I changed one little thing, maybe if I didn't go up to the school I went to, I don't meet the person that ripped the heart out of my chest, but then I don't have my two kids, right? If I don't start Project Nerd, I'm not off traveling as much as I've traveled, having the experiences I've had, meeting the people I've met. And I don't even mean the celebrities. I mean meeting the people that are here involved in Project Nerd. Like 90% of my friends list on social media doesn't live near me. It's people I've met through Project Nerd somewhere else, right? So don't change any of it. You're going to fail miserably. You're going to fall flat on your face. There's going to be moments where your life sucks. There's going to be moments where you're like, how am I going to pay for this? What's going to happen here? But, man, like, look at what's there with you. Like, That's pretty – that was big and impactful. Okay. That, was, okay. that was exactly what I was looking for. I just for, said so. – I meant like it wasn't going to be big as in the terms of do this differently. Like, I just sure. think we all – like, as we do, you brought up – that panel that we do, the Phantom of the Business panel, and the close with that is that I constantly say in that panel, it's like, go out there and fail with me. Let's all f- fail together so we can become better creators. I think that's a great, great moment to close on. Awesome. Iggy. Well, Ethan, thank you very much. Man. Thank you. Thank I learned you. I learned a lot. Awesome. I think I learned a lot, too. You, know what, you know what I just thought of, though? And we can edit this out. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> uh, I've known you, again, since like 2015, I think. Uh-huh. I have no idea how to pronounce your last name. Mishniaki. I would have fucked that up. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> That's what we close up. <laughs>